Welcome to the Intellectual Freedom Podcast. Here we analyze politics, culture, technology, and society at large through the lens of critical thinking and open-mindedness, not demagoguery and partisan hyperbole. I'm Dr. David Hopkins, Humanities Professor, your host and guide. So without further delay, let's get started. I am back, and I'm glad to be back, too. I actually took a rather extended break from podcasting after the new year. As many of you know, I teach in the State College System of Florida, and to say it was a unique beginning to the semester is a grand understatement. I went into the winter break thinking I wouldn't have any face-to-face classes and be online 100% due to COVID, and I end up with three face-to-face classes late starts, express starts, and all manner of alternative course designs trying to fit the student needs into the what the college was offering. So I spent a much, much more time than normal altering, tweaking, changing courses. And so I apologize on that. In addition to that, I'm actually closing in on completing a couple other rather large projects, other courses that I'm going to launch to the general public maybe within the next few months. So, you know, in writing out an ebook and building lecture video, it's really had a strange uh, impact on my time that I had available to podcast. But it is time to get back at it. We survived the elections, uh, post-election. The extreme red and the far right is preparing for Armageddon with Joe Biden as the president and the extreme blue and the far left are preparing just preparing themselves right now for Shangri-La, heaven on earth, or at least earth without Donald Trump as the president, Uh, or maybe even at the minimum, just beginning to blame the outgoing party for literally everything that doesn't go right for them during their current administration, which is customary for pretty much every administration and what they do when they take over. But in the end, we all survived it despite the media predictions of the end of the world for reasons clearly explained by the wonderful talking heads on both sides. But as I start out this conversation today, let's begin with a rather cliche, almost modern joke. How many political demagogues does it take to change the opinion of one Trump supporter? The answer, only one. But that person has to be open to change. I know that's a real sad play on the how many people does it take to change a light bulb joke, but political debate and whether it is even worth your time to engage in it is going to be the thrust of our conversation today. I want to set out for for your personal consideration that maybe, just maybe, it's time to stop wasting your energy, effort, your emotions, talking to, debating, or engaging with people who are completely set in their ways about politics. I mean, it's sad to say it, but really the definition of insanity is just doing that same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. So here we are, post-election, still sniping, still meme posting, still fighting, still antagonizing, still biting at each other's ankles over politics. I have noticed that maybe it's starting to go away a little bit, but not a whole lot. So the goal of our podcast today 
is to discuss a significant question. When is it time to completely disengage in political discussion with an individual or maybe a group of individuals? Being able to identify when and when not to enter into political debate is a question of deep importance. First of all, this is a question of just blood pressure control and avoiding anger. Second of all, it's a question of maintaining relationships with family and friends where outside of politics you deeply value and you love the relationship. And finally, just restoring peace and happiness and controlling your emotions and conversations for the collective good of society. To figure out how to effectively deploy a, a strategy of disengagement on politics, I'm going to turn to an individual. His name's Masonius Rufus. And if you're not familiar or maybe even never heard of him before, he was actually a Roman Stoic philosopher who lived in the first century AD. He taught philosophy in Rome during the reign of Nero. And I'm sure almost everybody's heard of this this ruler. He was horrific. He was brutal. He was animalistic almost. And eventually Rufus, who was in Rome, in the courts, in part of the political structure during the time, he was actually sent into exile in 65 AD. But then later he got a chance to return after Nero's death. And he lasted there until Vespasian, who had taken over, till about 71 AD. That's just six years later. And then he's banished again, only to be brought back after Vespasian's death. So to say that he dealt with his fair share of political extremism, political upheaval, and really heated political battles would be putting it mildly. It's probably a miracle his head wasn't chopped off on multiple occasions for being on the wrong side of a political party, which speaks to how much he must have been respected during the age. So Rufus, in one of his writings, he ponders a very important question. How many arguments does it take to prove a point? Well, in the mind of Rufus, the answer is simple, as he tended towards very simple solutions on pretty much everything. But it shouldn't take more than a few arguments, sometimes one when you're debating something like politics or a political point. For the purest of arguments, it may take only one finely made point which should allow a light to go on in the mind of the other side to reach a solution. However, there is one kicker here. One essential aspect for any simple debate or clear debate to even happen to begin with and this has to happen before the debate should even take place. And this is this. The other side, the person you're talking with, must be willing to consider that they may be wrong. Let me say this again. The other side must be willing to consider they may be wrong. So let me flip that on you too at the same time. If you're engaging in political debate, and you are unwilling to even consider the possibility that your stance may be wrong, why are you holding a political debate? Because if the person you are attempting to engage does not believe in any way, shape, or form they are wrong, they have conceit, arrogance, and hubris at 100%, you are 100% wasting your time 
at best. And at worst, you're going to find yourself on a slippery slope to ugly name-calling, condescension, and nasty arguments. So in practice, it is almost more important to figure out who not to have a political discussion with than attempting to craft your oh-so-perfect logical argument because at the end of the day, that isn't what's going to get it done. So let's just talk for a minute about figuring out who to disengage from. You and I, we have some obvious answers in our head already. I'm sure everyone listening right now can say, oh yeah, I, I know I don't need any analysis. My my Uncle Bob, my Aunt Mary, no way will I discuss politics with them. They are crazy demagogues. The no-brainer obvious ones are not so much the problem. You already know those people. Yet, there are certain circumstances and there are certain actions that people can take that will help you avoid even picking up or beginning conversations with certain people, whether online or face-to-face. And this can save you a ton of mental energy. I don't want to completely discourage dialogue. It is absolutely vital to democracy that we have discussions. And I hope and pray you have people who don't think like you, that it's okay and it's good and it's fruitful to have a dialogue with. People that won't yell and scream or cut off. They don't name call. They don't get angry. They don't label you. They don't discard obvious fact. They show empathy. They don't mock or they don't deride. They have and demonstrate humility. But sometimes that type of dialogue quite simply isn't possible. And all of us need to know how to disengage properly. You need to be able to let people know the exercise of discussing politics isn't beneficial for you or for them. Now, when you deliver this information, they may get indignant immediately, but you don't need to mock or deride or condescend when you're delivering this information. You need to remain calm and kind. You don't need to defriend, lock out, cancel, or other antagonistic methods uh, which allow you to maintain the relationship without going there in the area of certain topics, especially when it pertains to politics. We all have to come to this realization that sometimes you just can't agree. And Masonius argues that every human person is born with an innate inclination towards goodness and nobility. The seed of virtue lies within every one of us. We were made to be good in general. Yet that view is almost too textbook for practicality sometimes. And he also makes it abundantly clear that with some people, it is destructive, not constructive, to hold conversations or debate. Or it is sad to say for someone so ridiculously set on their own political agenda, so brainwashed with this us versus them mindset that either was embedded by cable news politicians or one-track-minded friends or family or social media. I don't, I don't know what it was. Maybe it's a combination of all these things that sometimes those people that are so wrapped up so tightly in one political view that you just have to leave them alone completely. 
Of course, it's always best, if possible, to maintain the relationship and just avoid politics. And for some people, hopefully many and most, that's possible. Yet for some, sadly, in our modern world, and as you listen to this, this may be you, where you just literally can't have a relationship with somebody right now based on nothing more than their political ideologies that have gotten them so warped that they would put that above their own friends, family, and relationship. And and these people, you just have to accept sometimes that they so truly believe, so egotistically, that they are 100% right, and the other side is so 100% wrong that they simply, at a given moment, they can't see the forest through the trees. And these people they have to be disengaged from in your life as until they can loosen up, open up, and have some level of willingness emerge. No effort whatsoever on your part to convince them otherwise is going to set that relationship straight. So let's look at characteristics of people where political dialogue is almost certainly a waste of time. I already mentioned the obvious ones and you they pop in your head immediately. But there's others too that can really stir the pot and you can in, try and engage with them when in reality, if we look at it, they're not good candidates to ever have a, a political debate with. Number one, the prolific meme posters. Yeah, those people. And, and if you're one of those that are posting political memes constantly, I say this with the utmost kindness that this is not a positive way to push your agenda forward. If politics is a serious matter and humor a funny one, the intersection of these two almost invariably leads not to some shared sense of, of being able to laugh about a topic with an opponent, but rather in our online world of social media, political memes generally do nothing more than reinforce stereotypes. They're nothing more than hack can political statements. They create anger and dissension, and they hold nothing more than an intent to mock the other side. Individuals posting memes are not attempting to hold open, honest dialogues. They're either one, looking to infuriate or mock those who don't agree with them, or two, get friends with the identical stances theirs to click like, to comment, to congratulate them on their wit about how they can deride the other side. There are hilarious memes out there. It's a great, <laughs> it's a great form of modern satire. But you know, and I know, in the world of politics, the intent of nearly every political meme is not to have a moment of shared levity and humor, but rather it's to tear down, mock, or question the intellect of the other side. On a side note here, there is nothing that demonstrates a smaller intellect than to mock someone else's small intellect when you don't agree with them. I'm just saying. Also, as just a little hint, those people who are argue that you're arguing with online literally believe the exact same thing that you do, that you're an idiot and they got it all figured out. They're the brain surgeon who's got it figured out in regards to politics. Both sides, when you step back away from the emotion and your own personal 
perceptions and your own beliefs on politics, both sides look ridiculous and ignorant. Number two, don't engage with this stereotyping name caller. The second, and I mean the very second, when you're in an having a conversation whether online or in personal conversation and that person falls into something to the effect ah you want a wall on the southern border of the united states so you must be one of those trump supporting racists now i get it or ah you're a biden supporter so you want to destroy the constitution and turn us into a socialist puppet of china it's time to disengage from the stereotyping name calling garbage Change the conversation if it's in person or if it's online, just end the discussion there and don't respond. These types of, of personal attacks on someone you're having a discussion with versus discussing the issue itself, uh, that it just simply, it's not worth your time and you can't have an open dialogue when you're doing this. At best, mention to them once that it isn't a viable argument to name call and sling personal attacks and give the person a chance to retract or rephrase. But in general, there really isn't much of a point in holding a conversation that's going to be labeling the other side as a racist, sexist, misogynist. It's, it's not even worth a, you just need to end it and be done with it. Number three, the angry at the world person. Sadly, there are people who spend their entire life angry at everything. They spend most of their day in varying stages of rage. There's no point ever engaging with someone in the written word or verbally that can't control their anger. The person whose perceptions are so deeply seated in their mind that their anger rises from zero to 100 miles per hour in seconds. There, there really isn't a reason to engage in a topic because as no matter what you say, if you can actually get an edge in a word in edgewise before they cut you off, a conversation can't go anywhere. You need to walk away from that. And the fourth one, the head in the sand person. Facts are not easy to come by in our modern world. It seems far too often, thanks to the destruction of the news media, that the truth is subjective. Yet there are things, ideas, events that are still rather obvious. And if no matter what, a person won't acknowledge even the most basic of facts that go against their their beliefs. It then then you just need to walk away. Why bother? Why subject yourself to that infuriatingly frustrating circular conversation that goes back and forth when one person or both sides will refuse to give even one half of an inch on an argument. Just leave it alone and walk away. So when I say disengage or walk away, how do you do it anyways? If you identify anyone with these four characteristics, how do you actually end the conversation effectively? And there are ways that possibly, if you do it right, it could someday lead to potential future conversations. Or in the minimum, at least, the shared understanding that the relationship is important and you want to continue it. Sometimes you just need to let them know clearly that discussing X, Y, or Z isn't beneficial and you'll, you will respectively just have to agree to disagree for now. Sadly, there are some so poisonously consumed in their own self-righteous political stance 
that you may have to shut them down many times because they will be insistent and want to bring up politics over and over and over. And this is not fun, but you have to be just as persistent and just as persistently kind as you can with it until hopefully that person finally will just leave it alone and leave it out of the discussion. It could be great, if possible, to let them know if someday when the emotions are not high and hot and that you would like to understand their position better and you could have another discussion on it. But you still have to be able to say, but at this time, let's just let the topic go. It is important to say it with an even tone, with kind words and diplomatic language. Because if your voice and your tone and your body language gets really edgy, sharp, and angry, it's not going to have the proper effect. If this isn't possible, to even let them know it's best that we agree to disagree, sometimes, sadly, you just have to ignore that person and shut off the relationship for some time. I mean, this sounds purely anti-academic and anti-intellectual, especially coming from somebody who teaches in the colleges, yet in really heated situations where there is not going to be an amicable discussion, uh, where you actually fear very bad words or ugly communication may come out of it, it's okay sometimes to just stay away completely from that person. Sometimes it's better to have no words today than to have ugly heated words so that possibly in the future things can be reconciled. The old saying that time heals all wounds, now that may or may not be true in your situation, but sometimes just not responding, not talking, not engaging, it's actually an act of kindness. Hopefully it isn't forever, but hey, Sometimes that could be the reality. How you react is vital, as you and I also have a certain set of responsibilities. If we want to engage in politics, we have to also have the same expectation of ourselves that we would of somebody else. We need to play our part to be empathetic, to be open-minded, to treat others as we would like to be treated, to have humility about our position, as if we portray that to others, they in turn can be more open to give back, give the favor back to us. Look, I don't claim to be an expert on this. You can ask my wife about it. I have a very strong tendency to be strong-willed. That's just for sure. I hold firm to my position, sometimes longer than I should, and I get loud. Well, my voice is always loud in general, but still, I have to challenge myself just as you need to challenge yourself. Nobody's perfect here, but all of us need to do our utmost to make sure that the expectations we want to heap on somebody else, we can also show them and, and practice what we're preaching. Yet at the same time, I believe Rufus says it best, that it truly doesn't matter the factual rhetorical strategy, the logical analysis that will convince somebody, as none of that actually matters if the person you are attempting to engage in is not mentally or intellectually in a place to open-mindedly consider your position. If this is the case, the failure in the debate is not in your strategies. It's not in the other person. It's 
actually you in starting a debate with someone who is just simply not in a mental position in which a debate is even possible in the first place. It's like jumping out of a plane without a parachute. And you know what the outcome is going to be. If you jump a plane without a parachute, you're going to end up bug splat on the ground. It's just the truth. Likewise, any attempt to debate with the wrong person when they're in the wrong mental state will lead to nothing but an angry argument. And we have a whole lot of that going on. So to wrap up, avoid that incessant political meme poster. Don't engage, don't respond, and please, even when you see memes you agree, please don't like them, please don't approve them. It would be so great for the country as a whole to see this ridiculous political meme culture die. Avoid engaging with the stereotyping name caller. You know how engaging with someone ready to label the others as sexist, racist, misogynist, or whatever ist is not going to lead to any sort of an intellectual discussion. The name caller is absurd, but it is also likewise absurd for the person receiving it to think that they can intellectually reason and rationalize with someone who is constantly stereotyping somebody else. Don't even start with the debate. Engaging in political debate with angry people. It's just going to leave you angry. And the other person more angry. So just don't go there. Nothing intellectual comes out of an angry political argument. The wise just avoid it completely. You know, it's it's almost ridiculous to make comments like, you know when I'm the most rational person is when I'm white hot with anger. I can think so clearly when I'm so angry angry. I also communicate so fluently and so effectively with other people when I am burning with rage. I show such wonderful empathy and such an open-mindedness when anger is seething through my gut. I mean, we get it's silly, right? Anger is the worst emotion you could ever have when you're trying to have a debate. So when you sense that, any sense of that, if you can't diffuse that anger, whether it's in you or the other person, you just got to let it go. Do not hold that conversation. I don't care if it's in a string of text messages. I don't care if it's online in a discussion forum. I don't care if it's face to face. When you sense that anger, you just have to stop it dead cold and say, hey, let's just stop this right here. We're not going to agree on that and change the subject or let it go completely. And finally, that head in the sand person. I mean, no matter what, they're not going to consider anything contrary to their belief system. And there's people like that. There's no point whatsoever in political debate. Those people that have their heads so buried in the sand are usually the ones that are the most confrontational ready to to create these angry conversations over and over and over again. Uh, the kind of person that's going to say, well, I'm going to let my voice be heard because my voice is really important. Just don't, don't, don't go there. It's not worth it. You can't have an actual conversation with that. 
all this may sound very defeatist, very surrendering, or or I don't even know, maybe maybe very pacifist. But really, with people you love and respect and want in your life, but you have that one thing, politics, that you just can't get through. Jumping into the battle against these personality types, they're only going to lead to bad things. If there is a positive in the disengagement, if it's done properly, who knows? Maybe someday with maturity, the passage of time, the softening of opinions, a quality conversation could be had in the future if you manage the proper disengagement well. I mean, at worst, if you never are able to have that discussion, that's okay too. At least maybe you can have a peace treaty to just agree to disagree on topics and never discuss politics. That may be the win in some situations. You only control your own emotions, your own communication, your own openness. So at least you feel empowered to hold or not hold conversations that lead to better and more stable relationships overall over time. I wish you all the very best of luck with it. Thank you for listening to the podcast today. I hope you found value. It can be such a divisive world, but it doesn't have to be with you and your family if you don't get sucked into it. Become great at holding conversations with people and where you can and simply turning away when the conversation has no redeeming value for either side. Hope this works for you. Until the next episode, if you click like or follow, you'll be alerted when new episodes come available. Talk to you soon. Hope you have a wonderful week.